Welcome to the Business as Mission podcast, dedicated to those who long to see God glorified in business and the nations reached for Christ. Your host is Mike Bayer, longtime BAM leader and founder of Third Path Initiative, an online education resource for starting and growing BAM businesses around the world. So welcome to another episode of the Business as Mission podcast, and I have a, a special treat today. We've got Bill Job, well-known BAM practitioner, thinker, speaker, homespun wisdom. Uh, Bill's got quite a story, and I'm uh, really glad he agreed to spend a little time with us. He is currently sitting in his car in a parking lot of an office building where he has business to attend to shortly. Uh, you may hear a little difference in his in his audio quality, but uh, it's the content that matters. So, Bill, welcome. Glad to have you, man. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be with you. So there, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I could ask you 50,000 questions. It would be the longest podcast on, on record. I won't do that. We'll have many conversations along the way and share those with other people. But just take for the, for the sake of people who may not know who you are or don't know much about, about you, can you give us just a, a, a very short history of how you got from seminary in, I think, Denver, if I'm not mistaken, into the world of BAM overseas? How, how in the world did that happen? What did God show you that, that charted that course for you? Well, I went into seminary probably for the wrong reason because I had so much respect for some great Bible teachers of the 70s. And I said, I want to be like them. And what I should have said is, Lord, who am I supposed to be instead of trying to copy someone else? And so I got through three years of seminary and then I ended up going back to my hometown in Tennessee. Uh, Oak Ridge, my father had died, and there were seven siblings in the family, and mom was still recovering, and so I felt like maybe I was supposed to be there, even though I knew that I had heard the Lord say I was to live in China for him. It didn't seem possible at that time. Now we're talking about 70s, the late 70s, and so we ended up getting a community Bible study going, and then in 86, we heard about a city in China where we could go and take our children and study the language, but there was only one university in all of China at the time where you could take kids. So we ended up moving in 87, and we didn't have a plan to have a business because it wasn't legally possible for a foreigner to have their own company. Mm -hmm. Everything was a joint venture until two months after we got there, and then they changed the laws allowing foreigners to have their own businesses. So I just prayed about it and felt like the Lord said we could go that way if we wanted. A lot of times he'll give you the option, you know, and so we started a very small business. We knew we didn't know anything. So I guess we knew something that we didn't know anything. <laughs> and we thought, well, let's stay really, really small because we're going to make a ton of mistakes. And so we ended up getting a small hand-tied fly, like a hand-tied fly fishing business going with only five or six employees. And we just said, let's just go ahead and make all the mistakes we can because we're going to be making a lot of them. And if we stay small, we might survive. So that was the strategy. And over the years, we've made every mistake possible, but we never really killed the businesses. That first company, we ended up closing because my U.S. partner passed away from Lou Gehrig's disease, mm. ALS. And then we hit uh, the Tiananmen situation, and we ended up you know, being told we needed had to leave the country. We got a phone call from the consulate, but I stayed, and we survived. and. One thing after another, we, we actually learned that everything we thought about ministry when we went was incorrect. 
<laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever come across that where they thought that they actually were prepared for something that the Lord was leading them to do, only to discover their preparation didn't go quite as deep as, as what was needed. But it became an adventure. We ended up, I think, stumbling onto some, some really important issues in the kingdom. And they were not where we expected to have kingdom growth. A lot of times you think it'll be kind of in the realm of understanding theology better or something of that nature. But I was getting these lessons from the Lord that were in the realm of relationship, not in the realm of theology. And uh, like he cares about that, right? I know. I just I heard he was, but I, I didn't realize how badly I was doing it and partnering with him in that regard. You know, we have that expression that we say Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And one day he reminded me of that expression. And then he added the question, hey, Bill, what if it really was a relationship? And, and I go, Lord, it, it actually is. And, you know, I know the answer to the question. So why are you asking me that? And he said, well, I just want to tell you, you're not acting like it's a relationship. And I thought, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. So. I said, could you explain what you mean by that, Lord? And he goes, sure. What was the first thing you said to everybody that you saw Saturday morning? We were at this retreat. And I think it was like, I said, I think I said, good morning. That's the first thing I said to everybody. And then he said, well, when was the last time you told me good morning? And then he added this phrase, as though I was a real person. Mm. And I realized I didn't act like he was a real person. I know how to answer the question if you give me a written test, but in life, I wasn't doing that. And then he kept reminding me of it. Like we had a board meeting in London that lasted an entire Thursday and Friday. Everybody in the meeting were Christians and we all claimed we were stewarding these businesses for the Lord. And after the meetings were over, he woke me up at three o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning. And he said, good meetings you guys had. Wish I'd been invited. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and, and I realized there it is again. And he says, it's because I'm invisible, right? You just keep forgetting I'm with you. And I realized, I think that's a big part of it. I think if I could see you, I would intuitively know how to live the life I long to live. But because I can't see you, I forget you're there. And so I start ending up living like I'm alone. And that's not good, but it is a very normal, particularly likely for an American to do that because our chief cultural values are independence and freedom. And we tend to intuitively think of ourselves that way. But as I learned to lean into stewarding this business that unfolded before us, and really there's probably been, if we look at product lines, there's probably been eight or nine completely different companies that we've operated over the last 30 years that we were there. And we realized that if we could function like it's an actual relationship, all of the heavy lifting would go away. And it would become really doable in a way that I had never anticipated, I guess is the white phrase, Somehow, when we define trying to live a sort of spiritual life or a kingdom-oriented life, we assume it's going to be hard. And in reality, it, it's not what I thought it was. It, there is a, a heavy, like, 
you progressively do more, but the weight that you yourself carry gets lighter. And this was something I began to realize when he, he gave me a picture of the, uh, you know, the two animals yoked together. Mm-hmm. That whole picture, I, I was taught that in seminary that we were yoked together with the Lord and it meant that there's this wooden device that connects us over our necks and like a couple of oxen. He's supposed to be the mature one. I'm the young ox and I'm learning to walk with him. And so I can't go too fast or can't go too slow. But together we pulled this load. And so he he raised a question with me. He goes, Bill, if that's the case, what percentage of the load is yours? And I thought for a minute, I, I think mathematically it's 50%. And he just said, son, I love you way too much. I'd never do that. You'd never survive. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, Lord, now you're confusing me because I don't know how to interpret that verse. And then I just saw this picture kind of in my imagination, I guess you could say. And it was the two of us, him and me. And I was looking at our backs and he was about six inches taller than me. You know what we call a Chinese carrying pole or like an Asian carrying pole is made out of bamboo. Yeah. And it's kind of bound, kind of springy, you know, sort of flexible. Got hooks on the end so you can put, you know, baskets or, you know, I've seen him carry bo- blocks of granite with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he had one of those things on his shoulder. And I was receiving that verse, you know, come unto me, everybody who's worn out, weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest take my yoke upon you. And as I heard the verse and saw the image, I got my shoulder under one of the points, one of the, the ends of the bamboo pole, because I want to be the hero. You know, I want bragging rights. I want to be able to compete with the other brothers in the body, you know, (laughs) if we're kind of honest about that whole thing. And it was carrying maybe 50 pounds. And then if, and I was carrying 30 of the 50 and it was hurting, but, That's okay. That's what got me the bragging right. And then the 50 pounds became 500 pounds and it dropped about two inches. And now I couldn't stand it. So I was faced with a decision. Do I leave or do I step closer to him and get under the arc, under the bend of the pole? Because he's about six inches taller than me. And that's what I do is this little image. My imagination is seeing this thing played out. And then the 500 pounds becomes 5,000. And now I'm, our sides are touching and I'm so close to him. The 5,000 can become 50,000 pounds and I won't carry as much as I did when it was 50 pounds. Mm. He's just carrying the whole load. And I thought, wow, this feels better. Cause before our capacity was actually my capacity. If we're linked together now, our capacity is his capacity. It really isn't affected much by what I bring to the game. I, but my participation is important, but not my ability to carry the weight. And so I began to go into business problems this way, just refusing to carry them on my own and asking, just letting him know that he's the, he's the guy with the power. He's the guy with the shoulders. He's, he's the strong one. <laughs> And so if it required strength, I just refused to take it on. So I got a, a knock on the door one time, my finance manager, 
And he said, boss, I got some really bad news. I've looked at this every which way we can't get around it. But if we don't come up with $350,000 in 14 days, we got to shut down the business. Now, my old image of carrying this together, that's really my problem. And so I'm not going to get a lot of sleep. I'm going to try to think, do I have any rich friends that I can call? You know, how, what can I do to maneuver to fix this thing? But under this newer way to think, I, my manager left my office and the door shut. And I looked up and I go, did you, did you hear that? You have really got a big problem this time. <laughs> and I rephrased it. If you don't come up with $350,000 in 14 days, I got to shut down your company. What do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to fast and pray. Mm. And on the seventh day, we got... $172,000. And on the 11th day, we got $200,000. So we exceeded what we really needed. But it began to be uh, possible to get sort of like testimonies of this easy yoke thing. So I entitled this talk that I would give to people when, it, when I had an invitation, is the easy yoke a joke? Because when I would ask people who were serving overseas, how many of you are under a really heavy load? It's 80 or 90% of the hands would go up. And my suspicion is that the other 10% were lying about it. <laughs> <laughs> and because I know the experience, you know, the, we were trained to live independently. And it's that independent culture of ours we try to fold into our definition of the kingdom that gives us permission to live independently in the kingdom. But it just doesn't work, you know. And so I taught this, in what I had this image of for a number of months, and then I was invited to speak to a group who knew Greek, and I, I panicked the night before. I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, I'm telling them what I think the Lord showed me, but I'm going to get busted. I mean, they're going to really fight back on this. One. And I thought, I'm not ready for this. And I, honestly, I was really nervous about it. But again, about three in the morning before I gave my talk, the Lord woke me up and he said, get your iPad out. Go to that verse. I want to show you something because my iPad's got the Greek text available, the Strong's yeah. translation. He just said, look up the word for yoke. So I looked it up and I found a word that does mean the pair of animals linked together. And it's used of the verse where the Lord invites a guy to come follow him. And he goes, well, master, I, I can't follow you now because I just bought five yoke of oxen. Mm -hmm. Synonymous with five pairs of oxen. But there is another word. Interestingly enough, I didn't realize there's two words for yoke. It's a different word. And it's used to describe where it's uh, one of its definitions is, you know, when you have a little scale, like you, you weigh things, you know, on uh, weigh things out and those little pans, you got two pans and they're connected by maybe a wooden like device, like a little bridge. And it's the wooden thing that kind of moves up and down. That wooden thing is called a yoke. Huh. And the Greek definition is a beam of balance. Interesting. And I thought, well, that's what that carrying pole is. Literally, it's a beam of balance because that's how you carry things with those poles. You have to balance the two, two end weights out so that they're equal. And I thought, oh, my goodness, there's something for you. 
the scriptures actually say that's the biblical understanding of what Jesus said. It's not two animals yoked together because he didn't use that Greek word. He used the Greek word for a beam of balance. Hmm. And so I just, I felt like that's helped me so much so that as the years go by and the pressure increases in terms of the size of the projects that we're doing, the weight that I carry is less and less each year. But the size of what we do together gets greater because he does all the heavy lifting. So folding that into a business context has been really kind of one of the greatest joys of the last decade. We'll be right back after a short break. The Business as Mission podcast is in partnership with TriVenture, the BAM Launchpad. TriVenture offers the three ingredients every entrepreneur needs to launch and scale a BAM business, courses, coaching, and capital. For more information, visit TriVenture.com. I remember, I, I want to say we were in Silicon Valley, and you shared that. We were, I think, at the BAM conference there. It might have been a different one. We've been at a bunch of them together. It was pre-pandemic, and then we haven't, haven't done them since, but... Uh, I remember you talking about that, and this is you, not you didn't say all the stuff you're saying now, but that was a blessing to me then, just to be reminded, you know, once again, apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's, you know, so interesting that he's, he's not asking us to help him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I need some help. It's, it's totally the other way around. And uh, yeah. that's, it's, and I can imagine, you know, I think about some of our listeners, Bill, that are struggling with just, you know, business is hard. You know, life is hard. Uh, if you're going overseas, whatever your context is, uh, that could be hard. And to be able, and then to, if your view of Christ is that he's also adding to the burden, how miserable <laughs> would that be, right? But, but you, he's, he's telling you, and through you, he's telling us, guys, just let me carry it. You know, it just, it's, it's my job to carry it. It's your job. And I, I was thinking about the verse the other day, and I don't want to preach your sermon for you, but it, it was meditating on that verse, and it, and it you know, to me, the, the actionable phrase in that whole conversation is learn of me. Yeah. That's my job, right? Just learn. Just just hang with me, which I don't do a very good job of that either. But, you know, just uh, <laughs> you mentioned when we were kind of warming up for the, for the episode that <laughs> it's another talk. I don't want you to give the whole talk necessarily, but... Just you, you intrigued me. So, what if Jesus were your HR person? Uh, I just go go with that a little bit because you started taking it down the road of I thought some other critical kingdom principles that we need to be living out in the world of business. I stopped one day and looked at the staffing of the company that the Lord had given me to steward. And at one point, we had over six hundred employees, so it became a bit sizable. It often was around two to 300. And uh, five, six years ago now, I had a heart attack. And so my wife was afraid that if I had another one, she'd have to move into China and run the business. And I thought, this isn't really what we want. Let's, uh, let me come up with a better plan. So I brought three of my really trusted friends into the company as, as part owners. And we formed a board principally so that if I had another heart attack, they would just take the company and, and run it and do whatever needed to be done with it. They would have the wisdom to do that. 
So on our first meeting in the States, I had a 14-day page agenda about how do we find a leader for this company? Well, one of these three gentlemen was born in Shaman, and he now is a U.S. citizen, but he had just visited a week or two before we had this meeting. And when we got talking about finding a leader for this operation, he goes, Bill, I don't think we need one. I was just there and I've literally been in over 3000 factories and I can read the dynamics of an office staff very quickly and accurately. You have four like division heads, right? I go, yeah. He said, one of them is actually running everything and everyone loves it. Everyone feels really good about it. And I honestly didn't know he was talking about, but it's a person who I met as an eight-year-old. Uh, I was walking home late one night in an alley near my house, and I literally felt a tug on my shirt. And I stopped, and there was a doorway, and I looked down, and there was this little face. She was trying to do her homework on a door lintel that you step over to get into this tiny room that she was in. Mm. She had... Uh, been essentially abandoned by her family because she had polio and scoliosis. And what I heard was that her mom put her in the garbage can and left and a neighbor heard her crying. And, and, and that was the lady that was taking care of her when I met her. And then after, well, so I, I knelt down and we got to know each other. And then every two or three weeks for really the next 10 years, the Lord had to go see her again. That dear woman passed away, and so she became a ward of the state and was moved around in various institutions. When she got out of high school, we actually told her that we were hiring people with a uh, skill set in, in a computer program. She got training and actually tested into an entry-level position. And then she rose up within the company and just smart as she could be. And when I started this other company, it was about in 2008, she transferred over and, and became one of the managers there. So when I asked my friend, which of the four managers is running everything? He said, it's that little girl in the wheelchair. <clears throat> and I go, oh, I, I can believe it, but I, I didn't see it. And then I thought back about how I met her. She had literally been thrown away by her mom. So. If a person like that in that country had come looking for a job, do you think they would get a job? Nah. Probably not a chance. Yeah. And yet we just gave her opportunity and she learned uh, to really walk, walk with the Lord as well. We, in China, it's a little not comfortable talking about it too, obviously. So we're talking about our friend. So she says, you better go talk to your good friend about this. And you better go talk to your good friend. And I go, well, you better go talk to your good friend about it. And so we've actually passed the mantle of bringing, getting under the easy yoke mm. with the Lord of the company so that she's doing that now. And uh, I just thought, you know, I wouldn't have guessed that that was true. We actually hired a, a number of beggars, but one of the beggars came up with an idea that increased our output 20%. I think over the 10, 15 years he was with us, we probably made an extra $3 million profit based on the idea from a beggar, a literal beggar off the street. And I'm thinking, I'm sure glad we gave him a chance. It was, it paid off really well, but I don't think he would have made it through a typical HR interview. No, no, wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. have made it. The gospel changes our perspective on people, how we see people, their value, their giftedness, their beauty. But 
how did you, did that just happen for you, Bill? Just like through meeting that little girl, or was that a process? And I mean, I know it's not like the day you suddenly became a Christian HR professional, but you know, how how was that journey? Because I, I could imagine a lot of people listening to this podcast thinking, "Yeah, okay, that sounds good," but how do I know I'm taking the right chance? You know, I mean, yeah. how do you know that person's got this this gift that you didn't know she had, or or the other one? Yeah, I think it's more oriented to my confidence that I'm hearing the right voice. And so what I say is that the Lord has an accent. And once you become familiar with his accent, then your confidence in his voice being his voice is much greater. So you really want to have a track record of that. You don't want to be making big decisions and not sure which of the voices is his because you kind of have multiple voices going on. The world has a voice. You have your own self-language, self-talk. The enemy's got a voice. And uh, so you want to discern that. But he's the best dad in the whole world. He's got his own voice. He's often the quietest one. But by that time, I had become more experienced at listening than I think most Christians. It's simply a skill set that we don't attribute to the spiritual life very often. But it's, it's to our detriment. So the Lord asked me one time, he goes, do you have any of those friends such that if you're together for 10 minutes, they insist on talking for nine and a half? <laughs> and I go, I go oh, yeah, I've got a few of those. He says, how do you feel when you see them walking down the street? And I said, like I want to duck in a store and, and avoid them. And then he just said, Bill, you're that guy to me. <laughs> It says, if you, you know, if we set aside an hour to pray, you're talking the whole time. So I just realized it's a, a, a basic human relationship 101 issues that we don't do well at. But if we did do well, life would be much easier. Our spiritual life would be much easier. I'll give you an, an example. Uh, I was asked one time to speak to a group of missionaries. And the question was, because many of them had businesses now. And they said, we want to protect that sacred hour in the morning. Some call it a quiet time or our prayer or something. But now we've got a business to run and we got to be 80, 90, 100 hours in the business. It's very difficult to protect that time. Much different than we were on a campus ministry somewhere. I go, yeah, funny about that. Isn't it? So I asked the Lord, what do you want to say to these people? They want to protect that hour of prayer. And the Lord's response was, well, what part of prayer are you talking about? The part where you talk or the part where I get to talk? <laughs> and I'm thinking, there it is again. It's this basic relationship stuff. And, and he goes, I love it when they spend an hour in the morning like that. I, I, it's a great way for them to love me. And I love when they do that. But relationally, it's kind of dysfunctional. I go, Lord, what are you talking about? He says, do you not realize I am with you all day long? You set aside seven to eight and we have a kind of intentional interaction and then you get up and you go to work and I'm two feet off your shoulder, but you don't talk to me again all day long <laughs> because you spent an hour with me in the morning. And he goes, it's just rude. And I said, okay, well, do you have a suggestion on how do we approach this? He said, yeah, I'd rather have one minute out of every six all day long. So and if we have an hour together from seven to eight, that's great. But at 8.06, I want you to check in with me again. 
and just give me 30 seconds and just listen to me. And I might have something to say and I might not. And then if you got something to say, you can say it. And then at 812, let's do it again. Then at 818, let's do it again. So just all day long, every six minutes, just let's just touch base like we're friends because I am there. I, I'm not missing just because you can't see me. You got to get over that part. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. The I had a, a friend in, in Japan who worked in a factory, a German factory of all things, and he he was telling the story about they had a, they were doing a big tour of the big wigs from Germany came and over coming over to look at their machinery. And you're a machine guy, so you know you you know I, I get off on machines too, although I never know how they work, but. So they're doing the tour and the machine stopped running. It just stopped, you know, like it'd been unplugged or something. And uh, this Lord spoke to him and said, uh, I want you to pray. He said, okay, fine, I'll pray. He said, no, 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 I want you to get on your knees and pray. <laughs> and he's like, what? In front of the in front of this German executive? You, you know, he says, yeah, that's what I want. And and he walked the Lord long enough. He didn't fight him very long. And he yeah, and, yeah. And, he, and he, you know, anyway, drops down and just as he's starting to pray, he looks straight ahead and he sees the problem. <laughs> right. I mean, right. That's the kind of stuff that happens. And, and you'd like, yeah. you know, you, you can't make that up. That's right. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's one of the things I do worry about sometimes, Bill, in the business's mission movement. And you see me doing air quotes and the folks yeah. listening can't see that, but I did them. And Bill will testify. I did air quotes. But one of the things that, that that has bothered me is there's so much emphasis on on the business aspect of it and on the mission aspect of it. But there's very little, I mean, seriously, very little emphasis on the relational aspect of walking with God in business. You one time define business as mission is nothing more than walking with Jesus in business. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I don't hear much about that. I'm not saying it's not there, you know, but when I'm in conferences or when I'm reading the books, or there's all this how-to stuff, and it, that, that topic just isn't there. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's the secret to the whole thing. Yeah. I heard a, a well-known speaker one time say, in our discipling, we teach people how to do everything except walk with God. And that probably heightened my alertness to that issue. And I realized that's exactly right. But it, it's really unnecessary. It's a shame because walking with God is actually so much easier to do than people anticipate it. But well, let me share a story that came back from Brazil. Uh, two years ago, I spoke in the morning to some BAM guys down there. They're all indigenous folks, all Brazilians. And after the morning session, a guy comes up at lunch and he goes, Pastor Bill, I want you to pray for me. And I don't like to encourage the idea that I have the ability to pray better than he does. But I I did just say, "Okay, well, what's going on? And he goes, well, I'm also a pastor, but I have to work full time and I sell cars and we have to sell 26 cars every month to stay open. And it was the 24th of August that year. And he said, we've only sold seven. And so they were panicking because of the pressure of sales or they they really want to lose money that month. And so the Lord jumps into the conversation in my heart. And he says, ask this guy if he's trying to have a spiritual relationship with me. And so I, 
I go out on a limb and I go, excuse me, sir, are you trying to have a spiritual relationship with Jesus? And I'm agreeing with him. Well, yes, of course. And I'm thinking, of course he is. That's the right answer, right? And then the Lord told me to tell him to stop it. <laughs> and so now you feel like you're really out there on a limb, you know. Uh, I believe God wants you to stop having a spiritual relationship with him. And the Lord then clarified, because he doesn't know how. Tell him to have a normal relationship because he can do normal. And I thought, oh, that's actually amazing. And it's so clarifying and so helpful. So that night they had testimonies and the guy literally runs up to the front. The first guy, he gives the background of the story. So he said, then I went out to my car and I prayed and I just envisioned Jesus in my passenger seat. And I just talked to him like he's just a person there. Not a spiritual relationship, just a normal relationship. And he said, I went to work and three cars followed me into the parking lot. And he said, you got to realize we went whole days with zero cars coming into the parking lot. And the next three hours, we sold seven more cars. But my takeaway was, look at what happens when we get away from trying to have a spiritual relationship and just do normal. We know how to do normal. We'll, we'll be very, very good at the spiritual life, ironically, if we could try to do it spiritually, <laughs> but just relationally. And out of that is what is where the fruit comes from that people need to see in the business context. It's just that. Right. As, yeah. yeah. I was reading and teaching on this the other day about Romans 7, about having died to the law in order to live in the New Living Translation. It, it talks about a new way of life in the spirit. And it's exactly right. It's, and it's and, and you can just see Paul saying this is that that's a that's normal. I'm, I'm yeah. calling you to live normal, not to live weird. You know, you make it weird. And so, yeah, it's beautiful. Bill, we got to stop. I could go on forever, brother. I love you. And I love talking to you. Love you, too, Mike. Love what you're bringing to the movement, the clarity and the encouragement that you bring and the hundreds of lives that you're touching maybe thousands. Uh, I don't know, but I just appreciate your engagement in that whole thing. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like you're, you're moving to China. You didn't really have a lot of choice, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Once you get clarity, the decision's already made. That's right. Exactly. So we'll, I'd love to have you back. We'll meet for coffee one of these days and Bill, to, to the listeners, Bill just lives a couple hours away from me and I never see him. So that's just wrong. But uh, Bill, thanks. And uh, we'll have you back. Always good to have you. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Business as Mission podcast. We invite you to become part of the story by supporting the BAM podcast at patreon.com slash BAM stories. There's a link in the notes with this episode. For more information, go to thirdpathinitiative.com or triventure.com. Please share this podcast and give us a review wherever you listen. If you'd like to help with expenses and expansion of the Business as Mission podcast, you can become a donor through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash BAM stories. This podcast is brought to you by generous donors and sponsors. You can become one by going to patreon.com slash BAM stories.